I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 100. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Annie Bass. The Sydney-based singer-songwriter recently released her second single for 2021, entitled Crazy. In today's episode, we're speaking with Annie about the desire of wanting to write music, her upcoming EP, and we discuss the music of one Mr. James Blake. Here we go. Our guest today is a Sydney-based singer-songwriter and a very dear friend of this podcast. After releasing the gorgeous single Step Aside earlier this year, She's recently followed it up with her new single, Crazy. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Annie Bass. Good morning. Good morning, Simon. How are we today? Good. I'm feeling fresh. Got up early. That's good. Besides some computer problems, but I'm good. (laughs) You were just saying before that you went for a bit of a run this morning? Look, it was run two, week one of like a new running program. So when I say I went for a run... I went for like a 30-second jog and then a minute and a half walk for 30 minutes. So I'm not, I won't call it a run, but a walk jog, yes. <laughs> Look, exercise and the the drive to get up and exercise is still there, which has to be commended, I think. Oh, look, I'm giving myself a pat on the back anyway because I'm not <laughs> a runner. Like, put me in a yoga room or a Pilates studio and I'm good to go, but I've never really been a runner. So we're working on it. I get that. I, <laughs> while I can appreciate exercise, yeah, running, I've kind of been like, what? Like, I don't see the full point of it, but I will not argue with it. It's, it's, it's hard. It but then you have these like die hard runners who are like, it's where I, you know, like clear my head and do all these important things. And I just find it really hard. <laughs> yeah. I've, who was it? I'm, I'm not going to obviously badmouth anyone. One or two guests that we had on were like, some of my best inspiration comes while I'm running. And I was just like, why? I'm struggling to stay alive. Yeah. 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 Maybe you just have to get, you have to like cross over into like the cardio fitness level of a runner (laughs) and then you're all good. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred (laughs) percent. I want to address something very quickly. Please do. On the podcast. So we are celebrating something today. It is episode 100 for the podcast, which is very exciting. Should I sing happy birthday? Uh, Maybe later. Maybe later. (laughs) But I feel that it has to be addressed that you were going to be one of our original guests, one of our first four. 
And so I, I very much appreciate you <laughs> coming on for episode 100 because I feel that like a combination of moving things around and then releases and then other bits and pieces. You've just been so damn busy. Not even that. I was just trying to, <laughs> wanting to make sure we've got you here at the right time, Miss uh, Miss Annie Bass. So thank mm-hmm. you for coming on today. I do appreciate it. I'm glad that we are celebrating 100 with yourself. I feel very special. I feel very special that we get to have you on. It is kind of <laughs> crazy. Uh, I guess full disclosure, and we won't go too far into it, is that um, you and I do know each other outside of the podcast. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a small history, yes. <laughs> um, I guess I'm, I'm trying to work out where we begin to talk, but crazy seems like a really good uh, point to begin with, which is the new single, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Of course. It is the second single for 2021. Yeah, which is wild because I feel like, I mean, without going, you know, too in-depth into it, there's been a lot of, like, rescheduling and pushbacks and COVID-related stuff. Um, So what are we – we're in October? Mm. Yeah. I, you know, it was originally going to come out much earlier than this. And in a, in a lot of ways, I'm glad it didn't, but it's, it's still kind of a shock that we're this far into the year. <laughs> How much, cause we've spoken to a number of people that have had things, you know, pushed back, brought forward, kind of like announced mm. suddenly, uh, but not by surprise by them, but I think they weren't planning on it kind of being surprised announced. Um, how much have you found of your whole plan has kind of, not gone by the wayside, but it had to be like, you know, very malleable with uh, the current environment. Pretty much all of it. Um, I think I was lucky because I kind of decided to take last year off a little bit anyway. Um, again, not to go too far into it, but I was coming out of like kind of a, like an icky label management situation and I was like, look, I'm just going to take some time away. Um, I did some other things. And so when I kind of came back and started thinking about music again, COVID had already started. Like it was really, it was already happening. So in a sense, I got to navigate this process within the limitations of COVID anyway. So it was no, it wasn't, I really feel for the artists who kind of had all this stuff ready to go, had just released an album or had like, you know, national tours booked and then had to stop everything and kind of wait, I got to sort of keep rolling with the punches and um, in that sense it was a lot easier. I think we would have liked to do things a bit earlier. I signed with Sweat It Out. Her been incredible probably the end of last year or early this year even. I can't remember. Um, But they had already been doing with their artists. Like they'd sort of worked through issues with a number of artists already. So by the time that I came on board, they're like, look, this is what's worked. This is what hasn't really worked. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to put the EP out maybe a little bit earlier, but um, I think, I don't know, I used to have this real like rush. Like I really wanted to get everything out really, really quickly and, uh, COVID has made me just feel a bit more relaxed about releasing things in general. We've found a lot of people have uh, maybe come to that same realisation of 
things don't have to, um, I feel like maybe there were a few different structures in place previously and that COVID has really kind of just blown that out of the, like out of what previously thought uh, like people thought they had to do and now 100%. can kind of follow any strategy that they really mm-hmm. want. I think COVID as a silver lining really started to dismantle our adherence to this sort of traditional structure of, you know, you can't release after November, you can't release before January, which kind of followed the like radio guidelines, like all these kind of like real, and to a point it's important to, you know, be aware of those limitations. But with COVID, it just opened up, I guess, new ways of approaching the way we release music because you can't rely on the guarantee that you can tour. So I think a lot of people have had to find other ways, myself included, of like, you know, online performance I don't think took off in the same way people expected it to maybe. Like it had a place. I think there was a point early this year particularly where we were kind of like, is this the new way we watch music and like starting to ticket events online and stuff, I think, um, thanks to the vaccination. Obviously, we don't really have to focus on that so much anymore, but we still had to be a little bit more creative with, you know, whether that's making content or um, engaging with fans in a different way or um, releasing more, releasing less, remix packages, all this kind of other stuff. Um, So the timeline has become less important and maybe just the, you know, way in which you release and connect is a bit different. Definitely. I think that although for a period of time, like online, uh, like streaming concerts, all that kind of, uh, online performance stuff was good. I feel like there isn't like when there was that little break before Delta, when gigs kind of came back for like Mm -hmm. a small window, I feel like people were like, Oh no, that's right. This is what we want. We don't want online. Like online's good, but it's not the same. It's not the same thing. No. And I mean, there are some, people who've done incredible things like Isolate Festival who kind of stepped up at with no notice of anything and just like really went with it and gave, I think, more so than for fans, I think also as an artist to have the potential to perform in any way at that time was really special. Um, so I think there was definitely a place for it, but again, certainly grateful that we can you know, almost plan for playing shows again. Yeah, 100%. 100%. The single Crazy was preceded by Step Aside, which was the other single that was released this year. Mm. Both, um, I believe, co-written or maybe Crazy was co-written and then Step Aside had some help from Barnaby Williams. Mm-hmm. How did that collaboration come about? It's funny again, don't want to yak on about COVID, but I don't <laughs> think if we didn't go into lockdown, I would, I don't know, it gave me this like a weird confidence to reach out to people online. I think because flashback to six months prior to that, everyone's kind of hustling and touring and playing shows and like doing things and you think that everyone's doing something cooler than you, not cooler, but like everyone's busy and you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs or at least that's sort of how I felt. I was like, oh, probably too busy or they've got too much stuff on or like they don't want to work with me, whatever it is. Um, Cause I was like, you know what? Everyone's in lockdown. So I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> I 
um, I had met Barney once before. We actually did this um, Future Classic who I released with a couple of years ago, put on a writing camp inside the Sydney Opera House. And um, I went there one night and did a little session with Fortunes. I don't know who Fortunes, they were like a duo. They were just so great. Um, and Barney was there and I remember being like, he is such a good producer. Like he's just so clever and um, has really great ideas and just like evolves ideas really quickly, like him and the other part of the duo, Connor. I remember just sitting there and watching them work. I contributed very little <laughs> for most of it because I remember sitting there being like, you guys are just like vibing off each other so much and I was probably two years went by and I was like, I'll reach out to him one day. Um, so then, yeah, when COVID happened, I just sent him an Instagram DM and he was like, yeah, send me some demos. And I'd been working on, you know, just like vocal piano demos because I can't produce for myself despite my trying. Um, it's not my forte. <laughs> I sent them to him and honestly the next day he sent me back like a pretty decent sketch for Crazy. And I was like, how did you do this so fast? It was just so quick. And then step aside, same thing. So yeah, all the music with him came together really fast. Um, from just talking to him as well, I think he was at a point where he also had space away from everything because of COVID and lockdown and whatever. And was like feeling particularly energized and creative at that time. So we just sort of were on the same, what's the word? Page. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> Is it page? Yeah. Uh, um, with being able to, uh, I guess, put out these singles, there was Hold On last year as well, which I'm not sure if he had any um, part in as well. Can we expect some form of EP, LP, something in the future? Yes. Um, Hold On was actually with Chris Port. Um, who anyone who has ever seen me talk about anything knows that I'm like a <laughs> diehard Christopher Port fan and working with him is still like one of the best things I've ever done. Um, but yeah, the EP kind of was born from reaching out to people in that same way. Um, there's also a track with Motez, who's another Adelaide guy who I probably wouldn't have had the guts to reach out to had I not known he was also sitting in his studio and not being able to play shows and tour and stuff. Um, and there's another track with my dearest friend, Elizabeth, who formerly known as Elizabeth Rose and now goes by Brux. Um, so yeah, that was like, we should have made music together five years ago. Um, it's taken a really long time to get our act together and actually put something, um, put something together. But yeah, that was supposed to come out this year, but we're sort of, again, COVID just, I mean, without going too much into the psychology of release and <laughs> scheduling <laughs> and stuff. Um, I mean, the year's just coming to an end so quickly. Um, and this EP, I think the thing I'm most proud of is, although I've had a lot of support from the label and, you know, people in my team who are incredible, I did a lot of it on my own. Um, 
like getting the music together and kind of forming a body of work. And before this, I was pretty much exclusively working with management who were just very involved in a lot of the process, be that creative or, you know, ideas. Um, And I think at the time for myself as an artist, I mean, I think I was really malleable. It certainly wasn't that fault that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, like tell me what to do. I just think I lacked so much confidence. Um, And it's certainly my personality for when someone wants to come along and be like, I think you should do this. I'd be like, 100%, whatever you think, particularly if they're, you know, working with bigger artists than me and they've, like, been doing music for a long time. Um, I think, not that I'm not proud of my first EP because, like, it's a photograph of time and, like, it will just always be what it is, but I think a lot of it didn't really come from my own intuition. I felt a bit led. And I take full responsibility for that. There was no one... You know, there was no gun to my head. No one was pressuring me to do anything I didn't want to do. But with this, these songs in this EP, I really had no one telling me what to do or who to message or, you know, what the song should sound like. Um, and I'm very grateful that I had people to sort of reach out to in an A&R capacity almost, Um and it was that, it was those relationships when I sent music to them and they're like, keep going, like, you can do this, keep going. Um, but, yeah, like, I look back on the EP now and I'm just really proud of how I kind of put it together just with my own little brain, not like a room of people kind of telling me, like, maybe change it this way, maybe go that way, let's change the song. Like, in the first EP, there are some songs on the EP, if not all of them, that had, like, five different producers that had a crack at them and, like, there were so many different versions of the same songs and even the songs that were used were songs that I'd written years before. So it was kind of, I don't know, it never felt like it really, really clicked. There was something that just felt like it wasn't a hundred percent genuine. Um, whereas this music for better or worse, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> it feels a lot more genuine. Well, I was yeah, I was going to say like, uh, and I know you kind of already addressed it with the, like the previous EP was, is what it is. Like it's a snapshot of time, but with, I guess, and any new release is obviously like a more updated version or reflection of the artist and the person. But yeah. Do you feel that having done all these things that this is more so like a, a truer reflection of yourself maybe than that was? A hundred percent. Um, I think that probably has more to do with where I'm at as a person rather than. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The way the music was written, because in terms of like, you know, breaking down how I write music and the environment that I was in, it was very similar, but, um, and you gain confidence through experience, right? Like, the more experience you have, the more confidence you get. So I, I don't think it's just that I, you know, evolved as a person. Suddenly I had more um, authority over how I was making music. I think it was just I had this experience. For me personally, it wasn't a great one. I think there was sort of a lot. I just, it was just, a, it felt a bit cursed. Like there were just a lot of things that went wrong that were out of anyone's control and they were no one's fault. You know, those things where it's just like, a series of unfortunate events. Um, yeah. And so I learned a lot very quickly and and super grateful for that. Like I don't regret anything. I think, I mean, at the time I was just so stressed about getting things out and feeling like I was coming last in this running race that didn't exist. I'd created this whole scenario in my head where I was like constantly coming last and had to like catch up and it was so detrimental to the the overall product because I was just so stressed and you could feel that. I think I was looking back at an interview I did um, around the, I think one of the first or second singles that I released and I, I can feel my own anxiety about it. And I think this time I was almost forced into a situation where I went from having like a lot of people that I was working with, you know, like, I'd sit in a room full of 14 people who were talking to me about branding and this and that and the other to just me and no one else and no idea how to find anyone else. I was just like, wow, I'm really alone. Um, and the whole world's shut down and I have all this space and all this time to like decide if I want to do this anymore. Actually, after the EP came out, I was just finding it really hard and I was like, all right, I'm going to Byron for a month. I'm doing my yoga teacher training. I'm not, it was such a cliche. I was like, I'm not using my phone. I'm not thinking about music. I'm not talking to anyone about music. I didn't even tell people there that it's what I did. I like kept it really private. Um, and I was like, at the end of this month, if I want to go back and I want to write, not release, like nothing like that, just if I want to write and if I want to keep singing at all. Yeah. I will keep going. But if I don't, like if I don't have that 
you know, the burning desire to sit at a piano and actually create something, then I just think like, that's it. Like I've had a nice time. I've played some fun shows. Like maybe this is time. After a couple of days, it was like, this is amazing. I don't have to think about anything. Like the music industry doesn't exist to me. No one here cares about it. No one here cares about who the coolest artists are at the moment or what's playing on the radio. And it was so refreshing to be around people who just wanted to focus on being well and not how to get your song played on the radio. Like that, that was the world <laughs> I was living in. Um, but after maybe four days, I was like, man, I just want to write music. Like I just want to, I just want to tinkle on a piano or like sing something or like write something down. And it was so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like this real genuine desire to do something. It didn't come from like needing to or having to. It just felt, yeah, like so natural. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, leaving that and coming into wanting to write again, it was just an entirely different perspective. Yeah. I'm well, I'm very glad that you did continue to write. I'm glad that you, although I'm sure that if you decided to give it up and become a, is it a yogi? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I got that right. If you wanted to become a yogi, that would also be very cool. Very respected. <laughs> um, for the many, uh, the many years that I've known you, I feel that there has been an equal love of electronic music and of like jazz and not uh, like all, all kind of uh, across the jazz spectrum, but I feel like some of the more traditional songwriting as well from jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like both of those are reflected in the sound of Annie Bass. And I'm, I guess I'm curious where both of those loves came from separately and then where they, the point in which they met. Yeah, I think I've grown up singing, you know, i started in a choir when I was five years old and I continued to be in a choir until I was about <laughs> 21 years old. So it was a lot of different kinds of music. And, um, you know, I had singing lessons in school. I went to BCF musical theater for a year. And then, um, I knew that I wanted to study music, but I will never forget. I had this vocal coach at BCA and he, we were doing a production. I think we we're doing a Sondheim a little night music and there's a role, a character in that um, show that has a sort of like angelic classical voice. And he's like, this is great for you because you don't have a musical theater voice. And I was like, if I don't have a musical theater voice, what am I doing here? And he's like, honestly, I don't know. He's like, you need to go and study music. Like, have you studied, have you ever sung jazz? And I was like, no. Um, He was like, you should go and study jazz. And that moment just being like, I'd never had someone direct me in any particular way. I was always just kind of like floating around. Um, And studying jazz was just the most rewarding thing I've ever done as an artist. It was like five days a week, you're surrounded by musicians who all just want to play and there's always music around you and everyone's so like excited about it. Because, you know, you leave school and you don't think like, if I get a jazz degree, I'm going to walk into a job. It's like you do it because you really love it and you really want to do it. Um, 
And I was certainly like a little bit behind the pack because I'd come from a musical theatre world and um, there were these people who like would die hard jazz fans and they'd be like listing off all their favourite like, um, you know, Miles Davis transcriptions and I was like, oh, I know who Billie Holiday is, like does that count? But over <laughs> the three years like I fell so deeply in love with the genre and all of it. Um, I think when you practice something that much, it really, like it's in my bones now. Um, and when I left jazz school, I just was floundering a bit. Like I definitely switched to being more in the music industry side of things like behind the scenes, working for record labels and stuff like that. But um, I started a job with Under Control, who's a music agency in Sydney, and through that I started to DJ and started to be friends with DJs and they were much cooler than I was. And again, I was like way behind the pack, but they introduced me to so much music. It was like, you know, stuff I'd never really engaged with before, but I was kind of thrust into this world of like, they were taking me to venues to hear DJs and producers. And I was like far out. I haven't even scratched the surface. Um, and I think I didn't want, I wanted to start releasing electronic music at first. Um, I mean, I'm obviously heavily influenced by people like James Blake and um, those sort of like verging on mainstream pop, but like still kind of quirky and interesting um, like electronic backgrounds. Like you listen to his first CP and then compare it to what you hear now, it's like very, very different. Um, I was always scared of naturally singing over that kind of music. I thought it didn't work. And I think that's almost why that first EP felt kind of funky to me is that I don't think I was just like letting go and singing how I wanted, like just being what I wanted, you know, how I wanted to sound. And um, it's hard to marry the two because it doesn't really make much sense. Um, and I think when I stopped thinking about it so much as like, you know, I was told almost daily for three years, I have a really natural jazz voice because I just had a really natural jazz voice. Like I, I can't sing musical theater to literally save myself at <laughs> all. And like, there are a lot, like I, even like really pop, like I have struggled seeing lots and lots of stuff. But when it came to that genre, particularly, I just found it really easy. But then when I was like, no, I want to sound like banks. or I want to sound like these sort of like more electronic pop indie female artists it didn't feel that natural. But then I loved Lana Del Rey, but then she lived in this sort of like indie pop rock world. So I couldn't do that either. So I think I remember um, talking to Barney about influence and stuff. And I was like, you know, I love, you know, I gave him a list of producers, but then I was seeing like Lana Del Rey and he was like, if you want to do it, just do it. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, if it hasn't been done, like that doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, mm. And I still fight with it a little bit because it's like I, you want to, you want the sound to make sense, um, yeah. But we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> I think you're doing a pretty good job of figuring it out. I think it's, um, <laughs> of course, it's. I think these days as well that this is a horrible example. So I apologize. I don't have something better off the top of my head. But even when you look at people like. Um, 
Gaga who jumps from like doing like electro clash to like pop with Beyonce to like singing jazz with Tony Bennett to it really like if you want to do it you'll do it and mm-hmm. you'll make, you'll find a way to make it work. Mm. I think for a long time I was afraid of letting the sort of jazz flag fly because I didn't feel like it would translate as well. Like people like jazz is a bit boring. Like I didn't want to age myself <laughs> almost. Like I don't know. And now I just could not care less about that at all. Um, I think I can certainly tell when I listen back and I'm like, oh, I'm just trying too hard to, to emulate something that I am not. Um, yeah. And I think I got stuck often for the first few years of releasing my own music, trying really hard to be something different. And you hear it a million times. People are just like, just be yourself. Just like do what feels right. Like don't think about it so much. Like I had that note so often from producers. I was like, no, like you're, you're overthinking it. But I was like, but I have to think about it. How else am I going to do anything? Like isn't that mm. the whole point? Um, upon reflection, I can see now <laughs> that what they meant is just to like, I think, I think as an artist, it's really hard, particularly as a developing artist who still hasn't maybe had, you know, the success or the achievements or whatever it is that you think are important to be relevant on a larger scale, like on a more macro scale. I think it's really hard to trust what you're doing. Um, I think you can do a lot of different things, which is a positive in a sense too. You can pivot and change and grow, I think you have a lot more space to do that because less people are going to come and turn around and be like, hang on, that's not what I like you. That's not why I like you. That's not why I'm here. <laughs> um, so in that sense, there's like a lot of freedom. Um, but I think I definitely lacked trust in what I was doing. Yeah, that's that's fair. I can imagine that it is kind of, um, as you said, like as any upcoming like indie artists that it would be difficult to like take a cultural temperature check of like how you're being received and what is working, what isn't. And so, yeah, you would question. I, and I understand, as you said, people just be yourself. It is like that horribly cliche thing that when you do it, you're like, Oh, I get it now. But at the time you're like, no, like really kind of um, overthink it and overthink it. And it's something that we all do, but as an artist, it would be, yeah, a lot more difficult because you've, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the work that you're putting out. And it's also like the last thing you want to hear when you're in a session with someone, they're like, you need to relax because <laughs> you're like, <laughs> oh no, how do I relax? And then you're anxious because you're not relaxed and then you stress more and like, yeah, it's funny. It is. You, you then start to be like, am I relaxed? Am I not relaxed? How yeah. relaxed am I? Just don't and stress. There, It'll be fine. Yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> They're like sitting there being like, they're not relaxed. They didn't listen to that at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's why artists drink so much. Who knows? (laughs) True. That's for a very different episode. (laughs) Um, Usually we would ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Any base. I have a feeling that I can guess one of them at least, that it would be the new James Blake record. But other than that, what are you currently listening to? But we can discuss that as well. Do you know what's funny? Yes, I have listened to the James Blake a few times and I think it's great. And I think he has just a really natural evolution of his own sound. Um, 
he is, I think, I mean, not to like really fan out here because I think he's just really talented, but there's tons of talented people in the world. I just think him in particular, his sound is, has always been quite unique. And there's like a million people who have used him as a reference and inspiration, which is awesome. That's how music evolves. But um, he has this way of like putting out a record and everyone's like, oh, this is great. And then it like influences all these different records. And then he comes and it's like him but better. It's like these like mm. new, like he incorporates different things and different sounds and I think it's cool that he doesn't stray too far from like what he's comfortable with but still finds a way to make it interesting. Um, I've actually gone back and been working on some music at the moment that's like a little trip-hop influenced. Um, again, like I feel like trip-hop is a little bit daggy just because the <laughs> 90s are daggy and I don't know. But I've just been listening to like a ton of like Porter's Head and massive attack, um, and just that like old nineties and like early thousands electronic sound. I don't think it's that tacky. Um, no, is it? Who is it? Pink Pink Panthers. Don't know them. They are currently on Triple J, I think. But um, yeah, maybe like a little bit of trip hop vibe there. Definitely worth checking out. I will. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> See what I'm doing? Um, but no, there are so many great artists. Like, is it Fauci um, who just toured with bloody James Blake? So that's not how I know about her, but she was touring with him, so um, he must know. And Seb Deliza as well. Um, her album is incredible and I've been listening to it a lot. I think as a female artist, she's done some, I mean, not to talk about gender too much, but I think there are a lot of things that female artists are comfortable doing and a lot of things that male artists are comfortable doing. And um, I think in particular she's taken on some like, you know, weird out-of-the-box stuff that still has translated in like a pop, way in like a commercial mainstream way but she's done things that are like super weird on that record um which I want to do more of myself I think I have unfortunately tried too hard I think to make things sound not necessarily just radio friendly but just like safe um and I think at the moment I'm just kind of trying to explore and find artists that do things that are I mean, whether they actively were trying to do things that were different or not, to me they sounded different. So, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to get comfortable doing things that are maybe a bit more uncomfortable. I can definitely understand that and also look forward to the the results of that getting weird. Um, <laughs> I definitely have to check out uh, that record because I think maybe I haven't heard enough of that. So. It's good. I'll send you. It's good. (laughs) Please, please. Thank you. Um, Annie Bass, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today and for episode 100. Thank you for having me. Of course. We look forward to the EP. Such a privilege to be number 100.
And that's our show. A massive thank you to Annie Bass for her time. Crazy is out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream her music. As it's our 100th episode, we also want to give a huge shout out to everyone who makes this podcast possible. This podcast would not be possible without the incredible publicists, managers, agents, record label people, and artists who help put their time in so we can bring these artists to you. So we want to say a massive thank you to them. We also want to give a huge shout out to Daniel Gregg for his podcast wisdom and to my partner Quinn for her constant support. We've got plenty of great shows before the end of the year, so stay subscribed to this pod. Until next week, cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.